0: welcome to the team jive podcast here we talk about all things business culture and teamwork speaking to managers and directors from all walks of life each episode we dive into the tools and success strategies of top performing professions through a series of thought-provoking questions now here's your host abdi galid a serial entrepreneur a Norwegian track champion and the founder of the team connecting this platform, MPETA. Welcome everyone to Team Jive Podcast. I'm your host, Abdi Gulid. And today I'm excited to be joined by Melvin Smith, an IT supervisor at the top ranked hospital and research Institute, Seattle Children's. Melvin earned his master's in public health from Brown University and has cross-industry experience in both education and healthcare. In his daily role, he places emphasis on clear communication to bridge operational gaps. It's great to have you with us, Melvin.
1: I'm glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me, Abdi.
0: Definitely. So let's uh, jump right into it. Uh, Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So as you mentioned beforehand,
1: my name is Melvin Smith. Uh, I'm originally from Mississippi and Um, Part of the reason why I say that is, like, I I just love to mention my Southern pride. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, With that, uh, I have, as you mentioned beforehand, a vast amount of experience in the healthcare sector, ranging from government, from advocacy work as a lobbyist, um, doing research in public health, and also doing operational work on the IT side and health organization at Seattle Children's. Um, So that's a little bit about me.
0: Awesome. Thank you for that. And one of the questions that I like to start with every guest is to ask them, what is the first income paying job or job or project that you had before high school?
1: Yeah. So for me, my first job that I ever had was doing landscaping. Um, I cut grass, did um, picked weeds across uh, the different houses in my neighborhood. So that was my, I would say my first source of income.
0: And how old were you? Oh,
1: you know, this was before high school. So I had to be between the ages of like 10 and 13.
0: So how much did you make cutting grass? Was it for the neighbors or was it for anyone? Were you like, what was it? Tell us a little bit about about that.
1: Yeah. So it was, it was first with the neighbors. So like to honestly, just to begin the story, um, Uh, I, I started doing this business because, uh, I cut grass at my parents' house, obviously. And, um, I wanted to have some extra money so I could do, you know, things that I like doing like candy and things of that nature or picking up snacks. Um, (laughs) when we were at school (laughs) and so my dad was like, well, you know, if that's something that you want extra, you just have to, um, uh, work for it. Exactly. And so with that, went to my neighbor's house and at different neighbor houses and asked if they needed any assistance. And it started off, my first neighbor asked me to just pick the weeds in his garden. And so after doing that, people saw me um, cutting grass and asked me to do it at their houses as well and started a little business like that.
0: Quite the entrepreneur. (laughs) Something (laughs) like that. And so from cutting grass to where you are today, What do you think are the three most important um, factors or decisions that got you to where you are right now?
1: Yeah, so, you know, honestly, I think um, it's a various um, amount of experiences that um, have really led me to this point as of right now. But I think the three most important events that led me to where I'm at now was my first internship um, working at the VA in Jackson, Mississippi, Um, I was volunteering there in their quality management department and just filing paperwork, doing things of that nature. But what was very transformative for me was that my father worked there as well. And um, what was even more significant about that was that my uncle at the time was a patient at the VA. And so what I learned was, you know, the first importance of having that kind of mission driven work and purposeful work. Yeah. um that uh, that kind of what I would say would be the first most important event um, a second event that kind of important to me was when I first went off to grad school in Providence Rhode Island uh, as you mentioned earlier I went to Brown University and for me that was kind of interesting because um, Providence or the Northeast is totally different than the southeast um, not only um, temperature wise but Culturally, the history there is a little bit different. And so it was a really big uh, eye-opener for me because it taught me about um, that no matter where you go, um, even if the culture is different, the people are different, the whole entire environment is different, um, there are um, fundamental, I guess you could say, lessons around how you treat people, having good work ethic. Those are very transferable traits. And are highlighted no matter where you go, Mm. and yeah. And then the last thing that that I would say
0: almost a culture shock because I was also in the southern, or Memphis, Tennessee, and then um, when you compare that to the east, there's a huge difference, right?
1: Yeah, a big difference. Um, You know, from a culture shock perspective, I think for me, I. it was the small things like going to a restaurant and asking for sweet tea. And they say they don't have sweet tea. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think it was those little kind of things. That was the biggest culture shock for me. Yeah. Um,
0: um, so so but, sweet tea is pretty important in Mississippi.
1: Uh, hey, it's very important in Mississippi. That's why <laughs> we have so much diabetes.
0: <laughs> so Go ahead. Uh, and number three. Yeah, man. The the last
1: thing that I would say that has been a very important decision to where I'm at now is um, even just recently um, working at the organization, as I mentioned, around um, having that mission-driven work, having that how you treat people, but also the importance of that balance. Um, I've been living in Seattle for close to four years now, and um, being in the Pacific Northwest, uh, it's a little bit further than away from home than when I was in the North, um, in the Northeast. And I would say the importance of, um, having that balance and the importance of community, um, has been a a very important, um, component of about where I'm at now, because all of these various different factors, I, I try to imbue not only into my personal self, but also Mm -hmm. into my professional work as well.
0: And yeah so going to that professional work and uh also the experience that you had with with the first event working with your dad and and uh, and, and that environment what do you think is what like we always think of the term team player um, mm-hmm. you can a- actually put that in any different type of context and find a way to uh define it uh what do you think that means in the um, in the professional world, what is a team player from your perspective?
1: Yeah. So I think, um, the, the team, the term team player has a lot of, um, components that we can just break down into it. Right. So just looking at the two words of team and player by first looking at team, it just showcases the importance of that community aspect. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, that's kind of part of the reason why I mentioned, um, that as being a important component to me is of where I'm at now is the importance of having that community. Yep. And, um, you know, I think when it comes to align missions and aligned goals, um, having that kind of, um, community where, uh, everyone's working towards that same mission is very important, um, to be a part of that team and to be a part of that community. And so for me, I think, um, being a team player is basically, not only aligning yourself with um, your colleagues and, um, you know, for lack of a better term, being a nice person, but also having that alignment towards the mission and um, putting whatever kind of differences aside, whether they're minute or huge to that particular individual to be able to go towards that common goal.
0: But how do you actually do that though? Right. Um, So you have a team of, 10 20 people uh yes right how do you kind of become a role model and 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 find a way for everybody to be team players
1: yeah so first i think that biggest component of that is um, having that one that one mission that we can all align to you yeah. know for at seattle children's um you know, the mission is providing hope, care, and cure for all children, no matter what their background is. Mm. And I think when, um, that is everyone, very powerful, right? Yes, indeed it is. And I think when you have that aligned mission, yeah. it, it helps in fostering a community because we're all here for the same place Yeah. and then, um, taking in whether it's a multidisciplinary team or, a single disciplinary team, but aligning to the fact that um, being able to articulate that message and articulate what the actual actions that um, would go towards that. What's yep. actually in- interesting now is that um, we're in the process of doing our strategic planning for the next two to three years, mm. and you know, do in that process, the first thing we do is say, "What are we here for? What are what are we trying to do?" And as long as you have that North Star, it's, uh, it's easy to build a environment or uh, a microcosm around that um, and be able to foster that type of community or foster that type of team towards that. And it's really just a, lot, a part of um, choosing individuals or aligning individuals towards that mission. And um, that's a, how I go about with building a team.
0: So, so is, the, is that community, the team community, is that the same as the community overall for the whole organization? Are they, Similar, or similarly, it- I would say like, I to kind of start it off with
1: T uh, in tiers, you have the, the mission for the entire organization. Yeah. Then you have the various different departments that all align with that same mission, but yeah. they have their various different approaches to it. So for example, um, it might have a different strategy to w- than what finance has, but they're mm. still reaching towards the same mission. Mm. So that helps in fostering that kind of community and that kind of team mm. for those two different groups to be able to work together mm. because they have a common mission.
0: I, I get it. And when we talk about community and team, you, you also need that positive culture, right? Um, right and if 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 there's no positive culture, I'm not sure how you can progress, but what do you think is the single most important factor in creating a positive company culture
1: yeah i I think that um, the single most important factor about creating that positive company culture is um, is really and truthfully having that kind of uh, integrity towards your um to the people that are a part of that culture, that make that culture. So what I mean by that is um, investing into your, um, as some organizations call it, employees, teammates, family, however you would like to articulate it. Um, But fostering that positive culture means that you're not only aligned to the mission, but you have your values that, um, that showcase what that means. So, Um, a positive company culture could be, um, create fostering values that align with the mission so that as individuals are kind of going towards the day to day, um, um, they have those kind of values to lean on, to be able to, uh, foster that, um, environment or that camaraderie amongst each other. So for example, at Seattle Children's, um, our values are, um, um, integrity, um, excellence, um, um, equity, these these kind of values we lean on to be able to say, when I'm engaging with you, am I being fully, in, um, am I expressing integrity? Am mm-hmm. I being equitable? Mm-hmm. Um, are, we, um, are we being inclusive towards one another? Um, all of these kind of aspects um, help towards the mission. Because I would say without your um, mission and without your values, um, a company can essentially become lost. It's kind of like a a whole individual. We all have some type of centering that allows us to be able to whatever that focus that we're striving for and our values align towards that so that we can be able to have those positive outcomes we're looking towards.
0: And yeah, so... Same question in terms of team player and and, and how that is different from that team department and and organization. Uh, uh, Like, do you have a different type of culture for your team versus the whole company?
1: Yeah, so I think a really good way to answer that question is looking at one of our values of compassion. Mm -hmm. Um, Compassion um, within the hospital setting um, Mm -hmm. is kind of... It's obvious if you're in the clinical setting, Um, having compassion towards your patients, having compassion towards the families, um, expressing compassion towards your fellow team members. Mm. Within the uh, IT sector, um, traditionally, you would see technicians only working with the technology. Mm. But as we're shifting towards an environment that's more dependable upon technology, whether we're looking at telehealth, where we're looking at iPads as a part of surgery or a part of rounding clinical rounding. Yeah. Um, there has to be a type of compassion that the, um, um, the technologists have to have um, mm. to be able to one express, Hey, you know, this might not necessarily be something that you're familiar with because you're not an expert in this field. And yeah. I'm going to express compassion by um, learning how to be a Rosetta stone from a technology perspective and articulate what it is that the issues that you're um, having and how you can avoid those um, in the future, expressing compassion by being present and having those um, customer service skills. You know, it's it's really, you have to be a little bit creative and do critical thinking when you're looking at how to express or build a company culture. I think that, um, you know, it it's uh, all kind of looking at the, I guess you could say, looking at a particular text. One word sentence can all say this, can say one thing, and many people can have various different interpretations of it. Yeah. But if we can align on what that exactly says, mm-hmm. then it's um, it's easy to build a culture around that.
0: Yeah, that totally makes sense, and. In follow-up to that, how do you engage your team? Um, I feel like that's the right question to ask in terms of they have the compassion for each other. They're, they're, they're there with uh, values that are aligned with the company value, but also the team culture. And and how do you engage them in general? Like to, to be at work, to be team players to each other, how do you foster that engagement process?
1: Yeah, so I... I foster engagement through my team by just being present. Um, I think that especially with the pandemic, it created a culture where um, you have an onsite culture and a remote culture. And because of being in that leadership role, I have a more possibility to be remote and be disengaged with my team. But Mm -hmm. because um, I want to ensure that not even like looking at, things of just making sure things are getting done because i have that trust with my team i want to be on site to engage with them to understand and be on the floor whenever issues do come up so that they do feel comfortable being able to talk so that um they see me as not only um just the leader of the team but also engage with the team as well
0: yeah Um, and and not only that but i feel like i've seen that read about a few times now Um... Even with Tesla, I think when you have the manager who's able to work remote, and then you have the others on the floor or like physically together there, if the manager's not there physically, you, you're you're good. You're going out of that culture that you wanted to create or that you created because you're not one of them. You're kind of exactly. just that that boss who's just bossing them around, but you're not one of them, and you, they they can't be open to you. The transparency uh, gets loose and. You, you don't get to have that positive culture does that make sense uh, or yeah
1: yeah that makes a lot of sense um early in my career a wise person told me that if I really wanted to be a part of healthcare, care yeah um, I had to be a part of the system and I've taken that kind of application or that theory and applied it to various different aspects mm. um, I feel like you know um, I don't have a background in IT but if i wanted to be in it i had to be a part of it and be engaged hmm. um learn the culture learn the language so that um as being a leader um i don't um the team doesn't feel that i'm a part of the other does that make yeah. sense
0: yeah so you're not part of just the management team but you're also one of us and not only that you're also a role model right a person we can touch and talk to and, and be close with so that that creates a great uh, team morale and environment. And uh, during your career, you serve uh, both as an academic advisor and instructor. Within the classroom, how important is peer-to-peer connectedness to the overall learning process?
1: I think it's very important because, you know, just even a part of the um, conversation that we were just having earlier around like community and team building. Yeah. And um, the classroom is where a lot of that is being developed. And like you can create assignments that are more individual because, you know, we all have to do individual work. But by creating those assignments that are collaborative, involve peer-to-peer connectivity, it showcases and allows individuals to start building those skills Mm. to learn how to um, uh, collaborate and work with other individuals when they do get to a point of being in their real job.
0: So starting with group works um, and, and having an assignment with your, with your fellow students could be a great starting point for, to the real world when you have to start working. Exactly. And over the past four years alone, uh, during your time at Seattle Children's, how has our relationship with technology evolved in reference to internal co- collaboration?
1: Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, the technology has been there for a while when it comes to cell phones, when it comes to um, messaging systems like Teams, um, mm-hmm. when it comes to um, really any kind of collaborative like software, it's yeah. always been there. But because of not necessarily just the pandemic, but also the the pace of things as well. So a good example of that is um, recently, I got communication devices for my team where all of the technicians will be having cell phones um, while they're on the floor. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason for that was not only just communication opportunities between management and teams and being able to provide updates, but also be able to foster collaboration. Um, for example, as a technician is rounding, which is a process that we do at the hospital to as a part of our proactive work to be provide maintenance to the technology. Um, The technician will have this phone to where they can easily, one, um, take the picture and document the issue that they found. Mm -hmm. Two, share with their peers through applications, such as team on the device. And then three, potentially resolve it through, either doing some research on their phone, like Google or mm-hmm. through the knowledge-based documents, but then mm-hmm. also completing that process through our ticketing system all on the phone. So I think that um, one way that the collaboration or the, uh, I guess you could say, uh, engagement tools have um, progressed over the past four years is that it's become less siloed where you've had to have, Two, three, maybe four devices to do all of these various different things. We've mm. been able to consolidate that into one um, process and be able to streamline that.
0: Uh, as, I think that makes everybody's life much easier, right? Um, yeah. Now, not only the technicians, but yourself and and, uh, and and everyone else. And and when communication gaps arise um, in your role as a pro- uh, program manager, um, how do you get your team back on track?
1: Yeah, so I think it's always aligning towards that mission. Um, Every meeting that I start, I always tell why we're here. We're Mm. here because of the kids. We're here because uh, we're trying to be the best. And we're trying to be the best because of the kids. Mm. And um, anything that we do after that is always going to be aligning towards um, those three things.
0: And does that work?
1: Yeah, it works. <laughs> I mean, you know, like it's that's where, I feel like it's
0: easier said than done,
1: right? Right, right. I think, you know, you're touching on something as far as change management. Change is always hard. Um, yeah. And there's always going to be communication gaps because, for example, I had uh, a circumstance where, you know, uh, I, as I like to say, I have to say things seven times, seven different ways. And I had an, ex, uh, an event where I actually had to exercise that same theory. And it can be um, not necessarily disheartening, but it can be um, upsetting at times uh, to where there are those kind of communication gaps. But I always look at that as potential opportunities because you know, we're not simple organisms. We're not simple beings. Mm -hmm. And understanding that everyone comes from a different perspective and everyone comes from a different, I guess you could say, angle. The way that I like to look at it is, let's say we're going to a soccer game. I could be sitting um, maybe right across from the pitch on the home team and you could be on the other side of the stadium, but at a different angle on the visitor side. We're Mm -hmm. both watching the same game, Mm -hmm. but because we have different views, we're seeing different perspectives of it. And Mm -hmm. so that's from a communication standpoint. Um, what I like to do is, um, if what I'm saying or what I'm doing is not necessarily working, Mm -hmm. I like to better understand that person's perspective and ask those Socratic or, um, those Socratic questionings to get a better understanding of, what is that person's um, perspective so Mm -hmm. that I can be able to bridge that communication gap.
0: I love that analogy, by the way. So you're actually, you're fostering the team culture. Again, I I, I'm bringing that up again, but you're you're putting yourself in their shoes uh, Mm -hmm. seven different times, seven different ways. It doesn't matter how long it takes, but um, I'll, I'll do anything I can to get you back on the team's track and, and our mission right right uh, and whether that's me understanding you or putting it together or getting other team members to try to find if there is a way to um, um find a solution for whatever issue that we have um you're open to that right it's it's not my way or the highway so that's kind of what i get from it
1: yep exactly
0: yeah and uh, I, like based on your background and your professional career there's a the heavy emphasis on working with people um mm what are some of the most effective strategies that leaders can use to keep team members working smoothly together?
1: Yeah. So I think that one of the best strategies that I've ever seen is that um, going back to our earlier conversation of actually having a team, actually having a community that had uh, I've seen that to be um the most successful for not only the business but also the uh the actions that lead within the business and so what i mean by that is um with individuals if we're all like let's say for example um i'm gonna use the example of working at a restaurant you know we can easily like um have a fry cook a cashier and have a manager you Mm -hmm. know um and those three people can essentially just do their jobs. So it's like, hey, I'm just going to be the fry cook. I'm going to do my fries. Hey, I'm going to be the um, cashier. I'm going to just take this money. And hey, I'm just going to be the manager and just um, work on the customers and things of that nature. Yeah. If everyone is kind of siloed within their environment and not really fostering the team, then we have those gaps of communication. We have those broken pro- um, processes. We have those delays. But the more that, From what I've learned, that the team interacts with each other, forms a community, engages with one another, that helps in producing innovation. Mm. And uh, I think, from a um, business perspective, um, those who innovate are the ones who survive because we're always living in an ever changing environment. And especially within healthcare and healthcare IT specifically, um, it's an ever changing environment with a, a High um, high cost organization, and I think that at the end of the day, it's always important for um, organizations to always um, foster that kind of community and team building aspect, so that they can can be successful and prove um, build that innovation.
0: And to to that, uh, how like what type of tools or methods can somebody use? Um, or what do you use today in order to facilitate a more cohesive team? Yeah, so, you know, I I have
1: not necessarily used any hard tools, like any kind of software in um, particular, mm. but one thing that um, I would say is, uh, methodolo- from a methodology perspective, I've used ADCAR. Um, so ADCAR is a, a change management system that Um, a lot of organization uses for change management processes. And so I use that to help um, facilitate cohesive teams by um, looking at the perspective of how every individual is impacted by the change and then looking at how the team is is impacted and then Mm -hmm. also looking how individuals are impacted as well. um, So that um, within that kind of cohesive process, everyone feels engaged and feels heard um, for any change that may be partaking.
0: Hey, Melvin, I love it. Thank you very much. Thank you for taking time to share some valuable insight with us today.
1: Oh, this was great. Thank you for allowing me to be on the show.
0: Definitely. Have a good one.
1: You as well.